In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. You are listening to A Psychic Story, a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every other Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. So hi, Psychic listeners. I have a special treat on this episode of A Psychic Story. We have Karina Virginia on, and we're going to talk about speaking your truth. And to me, that's extremely important, especially the whole premise of the show is that if you don't really show your true authentic self and you don't speak your own truth and share that with others, then I feel that there are things that really can, you know, additional obstacles and things that get in your way. So we've been trying to get on and, and do this episode for a long time, and I'm just really excited to have you on. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's so nice to be here. Hi, everyone. You are a part of Oprah's belief team, and you are a pioneer in, in you know, the Me Too movement. So how did all of this happen, like in terms of your life growing up, but then also where you are today? So I grew up with um, a British mother and an Italian father. And I'm first generation American. My mother moved to New York City in her 20s. And then my dad moved to New York City in his 20s. And they met my dad from Rome, Italy, my mom from London, England. And my mom came over to be a nurse for a year and then planned to go back to England And my dad came over to just kind of explore the American dream. And um, he didn't speak English. He spoke Italian, French, and um, Spanish. And they met and my mother taught him how to speak English. And they have a really beautiful love story. Sadly, my father died when I was 30, which was too young. But he was one exceptional man. But I was raised with a very... um, vivacious, dynamic, radiant father. You know, he was bigger than life and he had a very strong Italian accent and everybody just adored him. He was all heart and so generous. And he really, he came from Italy with very, I mean, very, very little. He had a very hard life, very hard childhood in Italy, large family. His father died young. um, And he even had times in in his life where he was starving, literally without food. So to him, everything was about food and sharing and family and parties. And my mother is, to this day, extremely reserved and very proper and very quiet and introvert. And so we grew up, my brother, and I'm a middle child too. So I grew up with an older brother, a younger sister. I was born in Manhattan, but we moved to the suburbs when I was a child. And I grew up with two parents that couldn't be more different. 
and I have a little bit of both of them in me. But I will say that having a British mother that was very into manners and being proper really brought about a, a feeling, or I should say a, a thought system that to be good meant to be quiet. And you, my mom would often say, you know, don't be ashamed of yourself or, or you should be ashamed of yourself if we did something wrong. And, and my mom's a lovely woman, but I don't, you know, she just parroted what she learned growing up. And also children are to be seen and not heard. And you don't disrupt and you don't disrupt the classroom. You don't disrupt, you know, you listen to what the teachers have to say, no matter what they are, your teachers that old school kind of mentality. Yes, yes. If you go to someone's house and they give you food you don't like, you you eat it so that you're <laughs> not rude and, you know, you just do the right thing. So I had this other side of me growing up that was very much more like my father, which was about bringing truth to the forefront and having a very, very strong intuition. And my father was... My father was actually psychic. He never said it. But now as adults, we're like, oh my gosh. Remember when he would, would just randomly talk about someone and then we'd find out like something about them that day. I mean, he knew everything to the point where we were like, oh gosh, dad's going to know because he's just going to know. <laughs> so I inherited a lot of that. Not that I'm psychic, but I'm extremely intuitive and I have very high radar, very, very high ability to discern which is a difficult way to be because I can see through things so quickly. And as a child, I saw that the teacher would show an appearance that wasn't the reality of who that person was. And I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't like that. Um, you know, I, I was very, I was already into, you know, um, justice as a child. And I didn't like that, you know, I, I saw racism. I saw discrimination and I saw it happen even with, with teachers and parents and, and who was invited and who wasn't invited to things. And I was really young to, to have that ability because I was also taught that I wasn't supposed to do anything. And I was supposed to just sit there and be quiet and be complacent. I also had um, very, very vivid visions. Um, and as a child, I used to look up to heaven and I used to see angels and I thought everybody did. Oh, wow. That is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is. A, it's a beautiful thing. I still have a lot of, um, a lot of angelic experiences, like a lot. In fact, if you hear a pecking at the window, which you might, because it's happened many times when I've been interviewed over mm -hmm. the past couple months or I've taught online, there's a cardinal that has been flying around our house and he just pecks right into the window. And sometimes he just pecks, pecks, pecks. Other times he flies around and he'll find the window and he'll peck. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really pretty wild. And my husband is like, it's just a bird, <laughs> you know, which I married a man like that probably purposely because I needed someone to keep me grounded. Otherwise I'll just fly off. But I do still have a lot of experiences with the angelic realm. But yeah, as a child, it was complicated because I wanted to be well-behaved, you know? I mean, I did, but I also didn't want to be silenced. So I had, as a very young child, I had a lot of rage. And I see this in kids now. I'm very, I'm such an advocate for kids expressing themselves. 
because too often, you know, kids are told to just be quiet. But if I see a child having a huge temper tantrum, I'll often just, you know, kind of be very loving to that child and, and smile at them or, you know, sometimes the parents are like, oh my gosh, but I know there's something bigger going on. Because it's a reaction to something. They're yeah. trying to express. I mean, it's the, right. I mean, there are obviously some kids that just want that lollipop and know that that's the way they get it to, to cry out for it. If they're, you know, often getting that immediate gratification and they're spoiled, we call it, right? But mm-hmm. there's a lot of kids that appear to be spoiled, you know, and, and that are, parents are judged because they, you know, their child's having an absolute fit. They're judged wherever they are and they appear to be spoiled, but there's something much bigger going on, especially right now, you know, in this time of awakening, so many children are coming into the world with this wisdom that is beyond. And a lot of parents are not able to understand that because they were kind of brought up without that knowing. You know, I see a lot of that. And also special needs kids, right? If a child is brought into this world and they're, you know, considered to have special needs, yeah, they're special. Or, you know, there's this sensory integration disorder. That's just a high sensitivity. I'm sure that I would have been diagnosed with all those things when I was younger. ADHD, sensory integration disorder, you know, having a high sensitivity to everything, including smells including the feeling of, of, you know, tags and, and um, turtlenecks that constricted me, all of those things, but they didn't have a name for it. So that's how I found yoga. When I was 18, I found yoga because I said, wow, I was in college and I actually found this little program. It was weird back then, but I found a way to quiet and go inward and to, to, to honor myself without needing approval from the outside because In order to be, this is what I want to say that's so important here. In order to truly be authentic, we have to honor ourselves because our authenticity will always trigger some. And if we are people pleasers and want everyone to like us, we will never find the courage to be truly authentic. That's beautiful. And you mentioned a lot of things that just resonate with me about growing up and also even now, now today, how we tend to not intentionally, but suppress children's emotions and thoughts and feelings and how they show up in the world. Do you feel like we're doing any better as a society or do you feel like we've gotten worse with that? And what kind of things would you recommend for parents or aunts and uncles and grandparents and teachers even to kind of help better support the children? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, um, I definitely think compared to how, when I was growing up, I think there's a lot more awareness around this and a lot more information and a lot more support. So I think there's, there's a a huge improvement, but at the same time, I disagree with people who say that kids always had these quote unquote special needs. We just didn't see them. I think there's more, there are more children right now that have these, you know, maybe we'll call them indigo children or crystal children or rainbow children. There's more children coming into the world, more children being conceived, more children being birthed, being raised 
that have these special awarenesses right now. Not that there hasn't always been, but I was born in the 70s. I would say that probably more of these children were born, not that there's not, you know, we, we find each other, right? So a lot of people listening here can relate to what I'm saying from being born in the 70s or whatever year you're born in, you're drawn to this for a reason, right? But I do see a lot of, you know, I do see a lot of judgment still out there and a lot of um, embarrassment for parents where, you know, they, they need to be held. You know, it's very, very hard for, for a parent to have a child with these, these heightened awarenesses and then for them to get a diagnosis like, you know, that they're on the spectrum or which is, you know, a real thing. Yes. I mean, spectrum, it's a rainbow, right? And yes, it's different. Um, and there are obviously some kids that have the diagnosis of, of autism that are unable to speak, that are really um, are not able to go through, you know, a mainstream school system without having an aid, etc. But trust me, I have spent time with these kids, adults, and um, they have a wisdom. In fact, I'm going to tell you a story. I've never told anybody this before. Well, this is brand new too. When I was 16, I mean, I was a sophomore in high school and I didn't want to go to camp the summer before my junior year. And I didn't want to work at the gift shop in town or the grocery store. I wanted to work with, with severely handicapped children. And my mom helped me and we found a place that was about three towns over. And my mom, I didn't drive because in in New Jersey, you have to be 17 to get a license. So my mom would drive me. But when I went for the interview, they, they accepted me. And they said that, but because I was tall, they wanted me to work with the adults. And I just said, okay. And I did not know what I was in for. And when I got there, they put me in a room, it was an institute. And the shifts were just like a nurse's shift, three to 11, 11 to seven or seven to three. And I had the three to 11 shift. And they put me in a room with four girls, but they weren't girls, they were women. And they ranged in age from 30 to 55. And my job was to feed them, shower them, put them to bed and take care of them. Like they were babies because they... Um, were institutionalized due to some very special needs. And then sometimes I would go in and they would move me into the room with the men. And I had to do the same thing with the men. And I did that. And the first summer that I did it, all I, I, was re, I really struggled, but I didn't want to give up. And I felt like I needed, that I was called to be there. So I stayed. And... Um, there was a lot that happened and a lot. And, and my father, being the loving Italian father, wanted so much for me to quit. Meanwhile, he didn't even really know that I was showering men and everything. I mean, but they were so innocent. You know, all of them were so innocent. But the point of this story is that there was this woman, her name was Sally, and she was in a wheelchair and she was paralyzed except for one hand. And with the one hand, she could she could kind of move that hand and reach for things. And she had this special spoon and she would, you know, we would help her feed herself with it. 
And at night, I, we used to give her her meds and the meds were always mixed in applesauce because they didn't, they couldn't swallow pills. So I used to feed her the applesauce and she used to love it. So I used to get extra applesauce and I used to feed her extra applesauce. And oh, I should tell you, I worked this job all through the rest of high school, I, after school. And then I worked throughout my four years of college during breaks. I, when I went home, I worked there. And so I used to give her the applesauce and I used to feed her extra. And then we had to put them in a bed where they would sideline where you had them on their side um, as mm -hmm. a way to protect them from being on their back. So you had to, I had to tie them up to the side of the bed. So that was what I used to do before I, I, that she knew that I would give her extra applesauce. So whenever she would see me, she would sign apple. But it was like an awkward way of signing apple with her hand to her cheek. It, it, but I always knew what she meant. And after I had stopped working there, my sister and I were in the area. And I said to my sister, nobody believes me when I say that Sally knows who I am. Nobody believes me that, that she understands more than she understands. They just say that I'm imagining it. Just let's go see if she's there. So they, I went in and I signed in. They said, sure, you can take Sally um, in her wheelchair and um, take her outside. So I went to go see her. And right away, she looked at me and she, like her, I could see it in her eyes. And she took her hand and she signed for the apple. And this was about three years after I had seen her. And my sister was floored. And then I saw the movie Awakening with um, Robert De Niro and um, literally bawled my eyes out because I knew in that movie, like there are so many people, you know, even people in comas, there's this, they hear, they know, their soul knows. So Nicole and I, to everyone, we were just talking, well, the re one of the reasons why we had such a hard time getting on was because <laughs> we're both in the process of moving. And so it, it was just, we've been scattered and, you know, it just hasn't worked until now. And this is an honest, true story. The other day we found a rental and there's like, there's not, there's hardly anything to rent around here. We sold our house. Like we're, we have kids, real estate markets just crazy right now. So we found a rental and when we went in, there was a poster in the garage of the movie Awakening. Oh, wow. That gave me chills. I know. And I have, you know, I have not told this story in years. This was just last week. And I said to the man who was there, oh my gosh, this poster. I said, this is one of my all-time favorite movies. And he said, yeah. He said, I actually produced it. What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am not kidding. And I said, oh my gosh. So I, I talk a lot, as you can see. So I mm -hmm. started telling him, I worked at an institute and I took care of this woman and she knew and did it. And he was so moved by it. And he started telling me a lot of their research and what, you know, to produce the movie and the hospital they that went to, to do it. And I was just, and I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, wow, you're a producer, um, you know? And, and it was funny because I said, oh yeah. I said, I went to school for acting and I could see his face for a second. I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not trying to get in touch, you know, like, no, I'm done with that career. But, and I kind of laughed. But so it wasn't like, wow, he's a producer. It was like, wow, he gets it. The synchronicities. Yes, the synchronicities. And that's how I knew that was our rental. But what happened was he was, he's just, he's producing another movie. 
And so he needs to, and we live right outside of Manhattan. So there's, you know, a lot of people that, that would, you know, commute to the city here. He's renting because he sold his house in the same town that we just sold our house in. And the, the um, owner of the home put the home out to, to rent because they, he got another job and he and his wife are going out to the West Coast. So we didn't know this, but there were so many people that went to see that rental that day. And we happen to have a dog and they don't, have, they don't allow animals. And we said, we have a dog, but she's so well behaved. Well, do you know that the owner said that we were the ones he chose? We, we just thought we were like, do we want this or not? We didn't know idea that we were being selected too. That the, the, peop, the people who were staying there said, this is the family. And I said quietly, like, thank you, angels. Thank you, Sally. It was totally meant to be. But I had, I mean, I didn't go there thinking that. And now we have a rental where my son is going to be going to school. And we didn't have any, we didn't really had nowhere to live. And school's going to start anytime soon, right? So those are the things that happen, I think, also when, you know, when we give back, you know, it really isn't giving that we receive. But I don't do these things because of that. I'm not looking for anything in return. It's just the way I live my life. And believe me, I have my shadow sides too. We all do. I mean, my husband just sent me a picture of a, of, um, a crab that says, I'm crabby. And he goes, is this you? I'm like, you got it because I've been really cranky moving, you know, I've been really cranky. So, and, and I can get, you know, I can be difficult. So it's, you know, it's not like, I I think we all, when we acknowledge all aspects of ourselves, that's part of our authenticity, right? We own all the parts of ourselves, but I just so happen to be someone who cares very much about people. You know, there are people who love animals. There are people who love, forest, whatever. I just happen to love people so much that I'm just an advocate for the soul, right? Well, you brought up a lot of really good things. And I think before we get um, more into like your truth. Oh, look, it's 11-11. Sorry, I just saw that. Oh, angel time. 11-11. I know. <laughs> before we get more into like your truth and maybe some tips that people can infuse into their own lives, I do think you bring up a lot of important things about, because m- people listening are probably like, well, why then do you, why would God or the universe or others put people on this earth that have experiences like Sally and like others? Like what, what's the point? And I think that obviously their path and their journey is going to look different from yours or mine or anybody else's that are listening. But we make the choices that we do to come into this world because of the physical, the physicality of things, because it is earth, because there's a dimension so that we learn spiritually and we grow and vice versa, um, especially for people like you, that if you are, if you chose that path to help others or to experience what's going on, that empathy not only makes you a better person and helps you grow spiritually, but also to pass that along to others that may not be able to have that one-on-one experience, right? So to me, I think us talking about it is just showing another avenue that both people um, like Sally and others that are experiencing it are on their own spiritual journey. But for us, that really helps us either work through our own things, but then also share that with others. So I think that that was a really beautiful story that you that you did. And especially going um, through high school and then through college, that wasn't just like a one-time thing for you. That was probably a good foundation for you to know that energy is out there and that we're all, we're not just our bodies, right? Where our emotions are. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. 
So how did you get into, you went to obviously high school, college, you did this as like a side job, but then, and you found yoga in college, but what about your spiritual path in terms of helping others and teaching? Because you have a book out there, you teach courses, you obviously book sessions, but how did you get into that? Was it intentional or did you fall into it? It was intentional. Um, So I, I went to school for acting through a conservatory which was a very hard program and there was a cut system. So each semester we had to re-audition. And if we weren't, you know, I guess what they would feel talented enough to make it in the field, they'd cut us out. Um, And so it was really vigorous, really hard. It was, you know, true rejection, true competition. It was harsh. So I didn't have an experience in college of partying or, you know, sorority or any, you know, it wasn't like that. It was just hard work. And but some very, very strong relationships, friends uh, that I'm still friendly with that came from, you know, real vigorous work. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got out of school, I, I figured, well, I did all this. I should really pursue it. So I, I moved to New York and I started to, to act and I and I was told, well, you're not really going to do stage acting. You're de- and you're definitely you know, and your singing voice is not there. So we're, we're going to put you, you know, we're going to do, put you in commercials and soap opera type stuff. And then we're also going to give you some, you know, put you out there to do print work. So that was what I did. And um, I would take the subway all over New York to go on these auditions or these go-sees, they called them, which were for print work. And they take a Polaroid of you and, you know, then they'd kind of be like, okay, next, next. And oftentimes you wouldn't get the job, especially commercials. If they were, um, you know, ones that made a lot of money, you were wait there. And you usually it was rejection, rejection, rejection. But I had enough work that I was able to pursue it, you know, as a young 20 something year old in Manhattan. And then I went out to LA a few times, but there was this emptiness inside of me. And I, I felt this sadness and this longing for more. But in my mind, I was thinking, well, you know, I made it this far. Um, I'm working. I'm, I'm, you know, I have steady income from work. Why would I leave this? It's like your logical brain kicks in. Yes. <laughs> of like, the, like the security of money and all of that. And you don't know what else. So it's almost like that fear of like holding you back a little bit to make a leap of faith. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. And it was a huge leap of faith. It was a huge leap of faith because I did end up leaving it all. And it was hard for a few years. I really second-guessed myself. Sometimes even sometimes even so much that I thought, like, am I ever going to be happy? Like, maybe it's just me. Um, maybe it's just that I'm depressed. And maybe I made a huge mistake. And now, you know, I still can't seem to find fulfillment. So I, I took yoga classes. And when I was in New York, I used to take the subway to every New York sports club there was. And this was in the 90s, right? Like the, um, yeah, this was in the 90s. And I, like the late 90s. And I would go to every sports club possible that had a yoga class. And I would take all different types of yoga. So that's how, how, I, how I learned, you know, more about yoga after being in college. And there were all different kinds and you didn't, you didn't have mats rolled up then. You, you didn't walk down the street with a mat. So you'd use whatever mats they had. And sometimes they were like foam mats that would slide all over the place. Um, but I would just go to, to the classes. And then I found um, 
kundalini yoga. And I thought, this is so weird. <laughs> and and there were just three, there were two or three of us in the class and the teacher kept showing up and it was in this tiny little room in the basement of a gym. And they had those foam mats that would slide everywhere. But I was like this, it, it was the breathing and it was the connection that I felt to higher realms when I practiced it. Mm-hmm. That was just so powerful. But I remember thinking, if anyone sees me doing this, they're going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> but that was really the beginning of finding how much I wanted to share spiritual practices with other people. And I started to share with friends. And then I started to, you know, then then when I got married and I, and um I was pregnant. I started teaching prenatal yoga. You know, you teach what you want to learn. Mm -hmm. And then when I had my first, I started teaching mommy and baby yoga with my baby. And then I, then I got pregnant again and was doing both. And, and, you know, you, you know, and then I also wanted a third and kept having miscarriages. So I started to teach fertility yoga. I kept teaching what I love to learn Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I'm in a career that I just absolutely adore. And there's no turning back to do anything. I mean, that's not true. You never know what the universe brings you, right? But I'm very, I just, I love teaching. I love coaching people. I love hearing from clients who've healed. I love the miracle stories. It's just, it's so fulfilling. Well, you sharing that is important for people that are listening because of the fact that you love it and then you're growing from it and that passion is translating it and you've been able to build a, a, a sense of not just life, but a career and a purpose through that. And it's through living your truth, right? Instead of trying to kind of make something fit that isn't necessarily fitting for you. And how did you, so uh, I have a lot of questions on this too. How did you get to work with Oprah? What's it like working with her? And then you also have other kind of, you know, clients all over the spectrum. So tell us about both of those things. Oprah is such an amazing, amazing woman who's helped me in my life through some times of deep healing, but basically in the way of, of true friendship. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, when I was younger, I used to at four o'clock every day, I love to watch Oprah. But to me, she is the embodiment of a soul with such a mission. And her care for humanity is absolutely above and beyond. She didn't need to, you know, what do I have to give her really, you know? But I think our souls connected. So my relationship with Oprah is not a business relationship at all. It's more of a real true care. And it's not something that I even really talk a lot about because she's too precious to me to even talk about as anybody other than just this beautiful woman in my life, who I would think of as the same person who I, you know, would just randomly meet somewhere But the way that I did meet her originally was through something that I had done at the United Nations. And um, when it was a time when when she had created this incredible, a beautiful, beautiful um, series on different religions coming together and and traveled around the world to see these different religions and, and all the ways to meet God and all the and that's that's Oprah. That's Mm -hmm. the true Oprah. She's a, a believer 
Also, and this is just my opinion, I feel like a big part of her success is because she has been very authentic and truthful, not just to her, but your, you know, herself, but the mission that you mentioned to help like humanity and everything and just that energy. It's like a sharing energy of exchange when she puts herself out there in her interviews and or, and you don't have to talk about your personal relationship, but friendship. I, mean, I imagine that that is a, it's a true sharing, right? Um, that makes it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, what's, what's funny is that when I, I think about, um, when a, a conversation I had with her once and I remember just crying my eyes out, it was a really hard time I was going through. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't care who she is. I just need her wisdom and her support right now because I know she understands. Mm -hmm. You know, and and then, you know, later when I look back at it, I was like, gosh, I used to dream of talking to Oprah and it wouldn't have been like that. You know, it would have been a very different, you know, I would have been like, oh my gosh, like, how can I get on your show? And how, you know, and, you know, and now it's like, I just have such a different perspective. You know, when I get emails, you know, sometimes you get emails from people you're signed up for their newsletter and they're like, do you want to be on the Dr. Oz show? Let me teach you how. And I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, like I remember, you know, the times when I would, was doing that stuff and it's like, oh, that, that rat race, you know, it, now I see it like, it's like if you are guided to be to share your gifts and you're really authentic and you're you're meant to say something to a certain amount of people you will end up there but all this pushing and striving and pay this amount of money so that you can actually learn how to you know understand the secrets of public relations i mean i don't mean to insult anybody but too many people have just given up, you know, hard earned money to pursue their dreams that way. Pursuing a dream is about you and God, you and your angels, you and your higher self and, and you doing your own healing work to recognize whatever blocks are there that prevent it from happening. I love, love, love that because in the very beginning, you mentioned we find our people and the reason why you're on here talking is so that others can hear it because they're listening for whatever reason. The same thing with your relationships, friendships, business things. And then also it goes back in a really nice circle about if you are meant in terms of a career path or anything else to not force it, to not push it, right? Because our angels, like even with your rental, the angels like worked it all out. Yeah, yeah. And it's still, you know, it's it's still a matter of, moving at a really awkward time. And as I said before, be feeling very cranky. And, and I, I have, you know, different stickers on different boxes, because things are going to all these different places. And, but that's nothing. That's just stuff. You know, and I remind mm -hmm. myself of that, like, yeah, this has special meaning to me. But you know what? Let somebody else have it, Karina, just go, just let it go. Let it go. It's just energy. You know, it's just stop holding on. You know, we hold on to things because of our fear, right? Like I, I hold on to things because of, of the fear of lack. So I remind myself or the sentimental attachment to it, but I don't need that specific thing. That same sentimental attachment can come from a walk on the beach where I see a seashell at a specific moment, right? And that seashell reminds me of, of an aha moment or, or the person that I'm with or it's hard for me to let go of things that have, that have meaning. I am very sentimental, but 
this is something I have to work through right now and I am in the flow of it, it's not necessarily easy. I do believe that everything has a flow to it. I truly believe that. And I believe that we are the greatest obstacles for ourselves. You know, we're, we, it's like what we need to learn how to do is get out of our own way. Yes, absolutely. And on that line, what other kind of tips or advice would you give people based on the things that you've learned to either let go and get out of our own way or really honor our true selves and that authenticity? I think one big thing that I've really worked on is to embrace my shadow side. Um, and I think that, that to, to not bypass that part of ourselves that we don't want the world to see, but instead to just embrace it and start to talk about it and start to share it to the point where you don't feel shame around it anymore. You laugh about it, right? Um, that's been huge in my healing evolution. Also, I think we have to also remember that just because of what somebody wears in the way of spiritual clothing or because of someone's um, ability to promote themselves um, as a spiritual teacher and to do a really good job at that, and even how many followers they might have on, on social media, it doesn't mean that they are necessarily better at connecting to the divine than you are, right? And that we can choose to learn from different people and we can choose to, you know, there might be some books out there that are great that we're learning tips from or some people that we follow, et cetera, that we're learning from. But real healing comes from reclaiming the power within ourselves and our connection to spirit and our connection to God. And one thing that I would love people to work on in their lives, if they're stuck at all, is to start reclaiming your power, your own voice, your own authenticity, and to stop thinking that somebody else is better than you because of what they have. Maybe they were better at getting out of their own way to make it happen, right? But there's things that you're definitely better at than they are. We're all God's children on this planet. We all have gifts to share. I've just seen, and I've done my, this myself and made the mistake of doing it myself. I've seen too many people put spiritual teachers on pedestals. Yes. <laughs> we give our power away. We give our power away. The teacher sometimes teaches a student. The student does more by teaching the teacher. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've give, I gave my power away to a teacher for a long time. And um, she's a lot older than me. Um, that's a whole nother story. But boy, did I learn from that. And so now as a teacher, when someone says to me, you know, if they start to treat me like a goddess or, you know, they start to, you know, count on me for, for every, you know, for, for so much, I say, you have it all within you. And what you see in me is just a reflection of yourself. I don't ever want anyone to put me on a pedestal. And, and I won't, I don't teach on a stage. Um, I mean, I'll teach on a, I'll speak on a stage if that's like the platform, but sometimes in Kundalini yoga in a studio, there's a stage because the teacher's above the students and I will sit on the floor. And if I do have to, because this room is packed and I have to be up there, I'll make it very clear. I'm only sitting up here because it's, there's no more room, but um, you could be sitting up here. I feel very strongly in the importance of equality right now 
and equality in learning from one another and equality in sharing all of our gifts. And what I say over and over again is the guru is within you. That guru is within your heart and your soul and your authenticity. And not everyone's going to like you when you're real. Just, and, and it is what it is. And, um, I now at this point, I used to, I used to be such a people pleaser, middle child. And, you know, growing up the way I grew up, I wanted people to like me. Now I'm like, as long as I'm a good person and I'm doing my best to be a good person, doesn't matter what people think. And I have, you know, I have done things where I've had to say I was sorry and apologize, you know, in friendships, um, like we all do, but I own it. You know, I'll say, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, and I apologize um, because I don't like that, that part of me that might've reacted, but it's up to that person if they want to receive my apology or not, et cetera. Right. And I like it when people are straightforward and, and I like when we communicate, you know, real friends do that. And in real true friendships, it's not always perfect. We make mistakes, right. And really any relationship, family relationships too. I just try to be the best person that I can be. Um, so that when someone doesn't like me, or feels like I'm too much, or I'm too loud, or I'm too um, opinionated, or disruptive, or too quiet, and too shy, and too introverted, and whatever it is, you know, people are, you can't please everyone, right? If that happens, and I know within myself that I'm doing my best, I'm able just to let it go. Yeah, it can be exhausting, trying to be perfect and to please everybody else. And like you said, there is a sense of empowerment by just being yourself and letting that go because you know you've done the best that you can at that moment in time and that you don't have to judge yourself. Anything else that you're feeling led by your angels and guides or the universe that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I just, I feel like a lot of people that are going to hear this may be struggling with maybe giving their power away too much or, or, you know, shifting careers or maybe thinking about getting out of a relationship and maybe giving their power away too much or caring so much about what others think. Um, I know that everything is always in flow and in the way of whatever we're talking, I mean, there's so many things we could have talked about, right? We probably could talk all day, (laughs) but whatever came through right now is going to be available for whoever needs to hear it. So I want to just leave this message to everyone that you have everything you need within you already. And you are enough. You are more than enough. You are a child of God. You're a child of this angelic realm. And, and just as the acorn becomes the tree, and just as, as a seed becomes a flower, it, all it needs is, is grace and love and water and nutrients and, and a pathway to grow. And just as that DNA is already there for the acorn to become the tree or the seed to become the flower, or the embryo to become the blueprint, that DNA blueprint is there. You have everything you need. And nobody else can take that from you unless you allow them to. And nothing can take that away from you because God made you that way. And I really believe this is a time to heal all the barriers that 
we have put up based on our own thoughts, you know, our, our, our limiting beliefs, our limiting shame from, from our upbringing, our ancestral trauma, you know, these things go back through generations. And, and our greatest work right now is not to, to push for our dreams to manifest and not to strive to the point of exhaustion for anything. It's to heal the wounds so that we can activate that innate blueprint inside of us and let the sun come when it comes, because it always does. The sun always rises again. Let the rain come when it rains. Let the nutrients come when they come. And we can pray for strength um, to do it. We pray for the right messages to come along, the right, um, the right podcast, the right um, tools, the right book. And that's our prayer. But our work is to heal right now and to just remember where we came from, remember who we are, remember that we were born out of love and we are love. So that's what I really would love everyone to take away from this podcast from me. Because I do believe that with every cell of my being. And that's what I want to leave here on this earth realm when I cross over. An opportunity for the children of the world to know this truth. And for the adults of this world to know this truth. And to keep this cycle going. Because I believe that if we all loved ourselves enough, there'd only be peace in this world. Amen. I truly believe that. And you're only you. Everyone is so unique. And we need each and every one of you to, like you said, like shine that light and let that be present and known that there is a purpose for each of us there. And that love is, is really what heals us all and heals the world. So I wanted to thank you for not just joining, but also being, you know, part in sharing your gifts and your messages that you received. And if anyone wants to reach Karina, her website is karinavirginia.com. I'll include that in the show notes. I will also include your book information and all that other good stuff, but really just wanted to thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Nicole, and for finding me however you did or having the angels connect us. And I'm sure you have a you definitely, yeah, that you popped up. I want to say, I, I don't even remember, but I, I it was like one of those um, knowing messages. Like, I think your photo popped up and I was like, she would be an excellent guest. And I did research and here we are today. So yes, it was I the love angel. That. Sure. Yeah. I love <laughs> Yours that. And mine included, they're, they're our own agents, right? They're like, put these two together. So well, that's what, that's what it's all about. God is the best publicist. It really is the magnetism of the universe. That's what the law of attraction is. Mm -hmm. It just is, right? You just vibrate love and you attract another vibration of love. Oh, and I did. Yeah. Oh, I did. Before we break, I wanted to say I heard a clicking and I kept thinking that it was like a pen. And I'm going to tell my editing team, don't edit that out. It was the bird. That's the bird. <laughs> That's the cardinal. Leave it in. In my family now, we are just like, hey, cardinal, like all of us. 
even I'm like, hi, Cardinal, because otherwise it's just like the mysticism of it is almost too much. Right, yeah. It's just like overwhelming that this one bird is just... We had one. We had one. And that's you a whole did? Story. Yeah, it was um, my grandmother passed away on my mom's side. And we always had this um, running joke with her before she passed. We're like, you have to show up. Like you have to you know, not scare us, but like, be like, hi, I'm here. And here's what's going on. And she found a way to manifest herself because she loved birds. Um, she loved cardinals. And there was this bird. And for the years my parents lived in this one house, it would follow my mom from one room to another, no matter where she was. And, you know, you can, you can put logic to it. You can do all these things, but ultimately like we knew. And finally I said, mom, go out there, say hi. And she did. She's like, hi, mom. I notice you. Thank you for being here. I love you. And when, you know, the bird stopped being as annoying as it was <laughs> for several months and it still would do it, but it wouldn't do like it used to anymore. Cause she said, hi. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. she acknowledged that there was a message there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, have a fantastic rest of your day. You too, Nicole. And I really appreciate it. Love and light to you. Love and light to you and love and light to all of you. Blessings. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychic story.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.